another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. And it's draft season, baby. Official. It's officially draft season. Ben waiting. How does that feel? Ben waiting for it. Yeah. I gotta say. I mean it the college football grind is fun. It's how we get to this point. It's how we learn a lot about the players we're gonna be talking about today, but really it's all about this and the road where this leads and it coincides with week 14 in the NFL, which is the traditional end of the road for the fantasy regular season. So as some teams are preparing for playoff matchups, championship runs, others are already turning their eyes to what is next in the, in the uh, upcoming summer with any draft picks that they may have. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Cause we're kicking it off with our second rookie mock of the year. Yeah, people, you know, we're looking forward to the the future of the franchise now. You know, maybe things didn't bounce your way, but you collected some first-round picks along the way, looking into 2024, and, I mean, no better time than now to start looking for the guys. Definitely not. And there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of good guys. Hey, I got seventh overall. Who am I going to get? Well, spoiler, you're going to get a really good player. That's (laughs) what I'm saying. Like, oh, I ended up with a mid first. Like, this isn't going to be. Well, (laughs) well, we'll see. Yeah. uh, But, well, we'll get into it. Positional groups. There's discussions to be had. How is the board going to play out here? Uh, I am going to flip a coin in live time here because yes. I have been flipping coins for months and I I keep losing. <laughs> so I'm going to do it on air right now. Hopefully turn the tides who will be picking number one overall. This will be a one round 12 pick 2024 rookie mock. And the first pick Colin goes to, we did it. It's heads. Oh, did you do it on a computer? Yeah, I, I did. All right. We we got to go back. We, I, I did this for okay. s- six weeks, okay, yeah. with a real coin, and now we gotta we gotta turn the tides, right. and I'm gonna get the easiest pick in the draft right now. <laughs> um. So, all right, let's kick it off. First overall, 2024. It's it's no surprise if you've been listening to us for the last three months. If you've consumed any sort of draft content, any sort of dynasty rookie content, you already know that this pick is Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver from Ohio State, uh, will not matter. The landing spot has no impact on this. Obviously, we hope that he will go to a team where he will flourish. There are a few teams right now at that top of the NFL draft range that aren't exactly Super appealing wide receiver landing spots, but this is the sort of player that can change that trajectory. The sort of player that can come into the room, be the guy from week one and on. Um, Obviously, we've talked a lot about Marvin. We're going to talk a lot more about Marvin uh, when we get into our positional rankings. This is the, the first bookend. In, in the draft cycle, we get the mock draft into the positional rankings, come back with a big board update. This is all to just fill space because I don't know what else I can say about Marvin Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. that hasn't been said already. He is just that sort of a talent. Marvin Harrison Jr., 
won the Bolitnikoff Award. We Ooh. we should mention that because uh, yes, uh, last we spoke, awards were not announced yet. So uh, Marvin got his makeup Bolitnikoff Award, which I we don't have to get into the, the all of it. I, I can talk about it a little later. My my qualms with this whole situation, but uh, he had a fantastic season with a bad quarterback. And I just kind of imagine what it could have looked like with CJ Stroud under center this year. And if there would have been any question, because I feel like now they're starting to be, you know, it it's take season where you start to plant your flag on, on things. And, you know, people want to be, want to get impressions, whatever. So uh, people are saying like, well, Marvin Harris Jr. is not actually, you know, what, what are we talking about here? He had a worse season this year. Why aren't people talking about this? Uh, Malik neighbors had, you know, so many yards. He should have won the Blitnikoff. Uh, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is the no doubt player in this class. He's a generational type of talent. He's got the size. He's got the route running. He's got the contested catch. He's got the feet around the sideline. I mean, great hands. Like, there is nary a flaw in Marvin Harrison Jr.'s game. So, I think uh, don't overthink things here. This is it. Yeah, I will obviously talk about another player that you just referenced there shortly, and there are conversations to have with these two wide receiver talents at the top of this draft, but the conversation is not which one's better, and it's not – I think the statistics are – I'm glad you brought that up because we we see the statistical, you know, similarity, and, and that's really what it was, like – was not a regressed season for Marvin in most areas. Like this was almost an identical season from last year, like almost like to a target. It was very similar targets, very similar yards, the same amount of touchdowns. Like he did all of what he did last year with a much worse much quarterback. Worse. Like much I, worse. It cannot be overstated. Yeah. So when you put it into context, this actually is an incredibly, you know, a, a season in which he built on that 2022 campaign. Even if the stats tell you one thing, you can see it with your eyes, the difference in this offense and how much he meant to this offense. That's how he gets himself to into the Heisman finalist conversation. It, it, it is a product of his impact to the Ohio State football team at the wide receiver position, which is not something that is always easy to do to transcend a quarterback and be this sort of a player. So he is that guy, and he will come into Dynasty as a top five rookie wide receiver, a top five Dynasty wide receiver as a rookie. I, I am very confident in saying that. Out of 11 games... 11 full games because he left early from one game with the ankle injury. He did not eclipse 100 yards three total times, and he did not score a touchdown in one game. This is games that he played the full game. He he scored a touchdown every game but one. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. The last eight games of the season. Yeah. The last eight games of the season, he had at least one touchdown in each game, three games with two. Yep. So if you, I mean, you're looking at a model of consistency 
right here. Even if he's not putting up the gaudy totals, he's he's a great red zone target. I mean, you can't guard him one-on-one. It's the complete package. This is, I mean, one of the best wide receiver prospects I've seen. So, Yep, 100%, man. And all right. Here's, here's where we might get a little interesting because I'm not entirely certain where we are at this point, but number two overall, when we did this back in the summer, this was a, a point in the conversation in which we had a little bit of a discourse about Brock Bowers as a tight end going second overall. Course of this season, maybe some things have changed. You control the number two pick in this draft. Where are you going with it? We did have the conversations about Brock Bowers. I ended up putting Brock Bowers at three in the midseason. I don't remember where you had him, but I, I, I might, can double check. I, but I might have had him. I might have still kept him at two. At I that believe point. it. I know. I know you were. Uh, you were like Kyle Pitts. You know that that was the the argument for him. It's like Cal Pitts is great and Brock Bowers is better. And you see that selected. touchdown this week. I did. It, it was nice. But uh, my number two overall pick is going to be wide receiver again, like it was in the midseason. But it's going to be a different wide receiver. It'll be Malik Neighbors. I mean, talk about improvement from a player. Uh, yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. on one side, who is a complete player, was a complete player last year, could have came out and would have been, you know, a top half of the first round draft pick. This guy was good on that LSU team in 2022. He wasn't a superstar. He was kind of like budding. His name was around. There was still, you know, eyes were on Kayshawn a little bit because he was a 2023 three guy and so this this LSU offense wasn't what it became in the 2023-2024 season so this year he strips away everything that it was last year all of the bad vibes with LSU all of the the ugly offense with Jaden Daniels and he just becomes a certified bona fide number one guy I mean 1500 yards 14 touchdowns if now i'm gonna get into this because this is bothering me oh boy jalen hyatt won the blitnikoff last year (laughs) this this ruined all of the awards that in 2023 if if marvin harrison jr just wins the blitnikoff last year then they don't feel like they have to give him an award this year and they can give Malik Neighbors the Blitnikoff this year. And then they don't have – so my my thought, my big brain thought, is they didn't want to give two LSU players an award. And Jane Daniels was the Heisman. So Neighbors couldn't be the Blitnikoff because they went 9-3. and three. So if Marvin Harrison Jr. gets a Blitnikoff last year, Neighbors can get the Blitnikoff this year – and then Michael Penix could get the Heisman this year. That's the politics my... of award season, man. This yeah. is what they don't tell you about it. You That's know? right. It, one, it's the butterfly effect. You know, I, a drop, a drop in the pond sends out the ripples, and I, I get it. And I, I mean, you're right. I, I blame everything on Jalen Hyatt to this day. <laughs> I mean, 
but he's going for 150 and two touchdowns against the Packers tonight. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Um, well, let's yeah, let's hope that doesn't happen. But also, Malik Neighbors. I mean, awards aside, yes, it was an ultimate snub. I am. I was very shocked and a little bit saddened that this season was not recognized because it was very special. But honestly, more importantly, this player as an NFL wide receiver prospect is special. Like I said this a few weeks ago, the gap between Marvin and neighbors is not extreme. Marvin is not in like a tier like he might be in a tier of his own if you're going to create like a generational tier for him. But on a talent basis, I think neighbors is giving you at least 80% of what Marvin's giving you at least. I mean, he is a complete wide receiver in his own right. And he doesn't have the prototypical X wide receiver size that Marvin has. Marvin obviously comes in 6'4", 205. Neighbors 6'200", plays you know in the slot a fair amount, kind of splits time between uh, the outside and the inside there, playing the flanker role across from Brian Thomas Jr. Wherever they put him, wherever they match him up, he knows how to win. And he can win at every single level. And you had a tweet thread a few weeks ago, last week maybe, that really illustrates this. I mean, go follow the man at Colin Baressa. Find the tweet thread about Malik Neighbors and watch the routes, the the variety of routes that he ran in a very this is a limited sample here, but you can extrapolate it throughout the entire year. And that's exactly what we're going to do here when we get into wide receiver film the variety of routes that he runs and the elite levels of separation that he can create at all levels of the field. This is one of the highest ceiling, highest floor players in the draft class. And that's why he ends up at number two. This is a franchise building building block player in dynasty. If you didn't get Marvin and you got stuck with that number two, do not feel terrible about it. And to be quite honest with you, there's going to be times to have these discussions. I'm not trading the farm if I have two to get to one. It's not worth it. The talent is close enough where I feel confident taking neighbors at two and moving forward with this player. Yeah. I was just watching neighbors because I was like, you know, why not? This is, this is, this is what we do. And the the amount of ways that he gets deep on people is just unbelievable. I mean, the the sluggo out of the slot and the slot fade are both unreal. The way he he sets up DBs and they just are in hell in one on one coverage. He he is hitting his brakes hard coming out of him explosive and he is targeting one of the DB's hips. I mean, it's high, high, high level route running. He's the best route runner in the class. Like Marvin has the physicality. He has the polish and he has the tools. He's the better receiver, but neighbors 
is the best route runner here. And I mean, I just, like you said, don't think of him as a consolation because I, Marvin is Marvin. I get it. But I think this is a lot like Bijan and Jameer Gibbs last year where it's one and two and then everybody else. And though Jameer Gibbs wasn't quite Bijan, you can see the, <laughs> they're different types of players and Bijan is more talented, but Gibbs is carving out that role. And I think Malik Neighbors is going to do the same thing day one as he's going to walk in an offense and he's going to be making explosive plays. So hopefully, I mean, with all these guys, hopefully they end up in a spot that's beneficial to their skill set. But talent prevails, and this kid is talented. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable. And this wide receiver class, we know how deep, how talented it is. We're going to have a lot of them, I think, in this mock draft today. But even with that said, I'm starting to get to a point where I think these two players are just ahead of the rest and there are some really talented guys behind them i think there's a bit of a a a tier that happens after malik even with how how good those other players are that are coming up yep i agree all right so number three and i just said it i just said there's a tier break between wide receivers and you already know that I'm going to take Brock Bowers at number three overall. Yep. Um, Neighbors pulls ahead for me as well. I I also have him at number two on my board right now. Uh, Brock Bowers does not get much further down the board. I mean, I, the injury kind of cools the momentum a little bit in terms of getting to see the player. And, and when he came back, obviously he, he wasn't quite the same guy that we saw during that elite stretch run that he had, right leading up before that injury this is I'm pretty comfortable saying now after mostly a full season here and and getting closer to this point I'm pretty comfortable saying he's a better tight end prospect than Kyle Pitts because of the thing that you have hammered time and time again and it's so real he is at minimum at minimum a, an equal level receiving threat at the tight end position compared to Kyle Pitts. And he is already a plus blocker. And that is not something that Kyle Pitts had coming into the NFL. So he's, he's got that well-roundedness to his game that will make him an immediate impact tight end, or at least a potential immediate impact tight end at, at the NFL level and a player that I still expect to be a top 10 NFL draft pick at the, at worst, you know, like he'll be somewhere in that top 10 range. And that is, I, I'm not, I'm not afraid to do this again and take a tight end here at three. Yeah. I, after seeing what happened with the 2023 tight end class, I think we can dispel a little bit of the, the bad juju around rookie tight ends. You know, there was, yes, Kyle Pitts exists. We know. We get it. But this this 2023 class with Laporta and company is looking pretty nice. Him and Kincaid and, you know, Mayer and his limited opportunities all look good. So, you know, maybe that'll make people more comfortable, whatever. But, I I mean, I have Bowers slotted at three as well because, I mean, when you talk about the tier break with wide receivers, it's very real. 
And it's just naturally that number one, you know, you start to think, well, do I want to put my RB1 here, my QB1, my tight end one? Brock Bowers kind of just slots right in. It, it feels natural. Uh, just an unbelievable blocker. And that's going to keep him on the field one way or the other. And this is not like a Darnell Washington situation last year where he was a dominant blocker and then like got some catches and a few times did something fun. No, Brock Bowers is a legitimate, like he could be also a slot guy. He, I I don't want to invoke like George Kittle, but that is my, that's my comp for Bowers is George Kittle. Cause it's like, he can do things in the run game that are unbelievable. I mean, that backside trap is just bread and butter for this Georgia offense, and they missed it a lot when he was out. And then him leaking out of that is just the basis of this offense. And his stretch where he went over 100 yards in three straight games that you were talking about, it was based from that. It was like, give him the ball and let him run after the catch and break some tackles. So this is a guy that can do everything that a tight end can do in an elite fashion, and he's going to go so high in the NFL draft. I think his receiving upside is very high because he can be on the field day one producing. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, the player that misses time – and still 717 receiving yards this year, second in, in all tight ends in the country. I mean, he's been this player for three years now. Everybody has known this name. Everybody has waited for this opportunity. Will he be the unicorn, the savior of the tight ends? Well, like you said, we already have a little bit of positive momentum with the tight end position in fantasy right now, and it makes it even easier to talk yourself into this player, a, a, a franchise-changing player at the tight end position. I truly believe that. I know we just did this with Kyle Pitts, and it hasn't come to fruition quite yet, but that's no reason to discount the level of talent that Brock Bowers is, and he's a worthy high draft pick in Dynasty. John Mackey Award winner. <laughs> he did it again, back-to-back. Yep. Back. The first player to win back-to-back Mackey Awards. Incredible stuff. Yeah. And that's, again, with having a high ankle sprain and missing games. Yep. That's special stuff. All right. Fourth overall, you are back on the board, on the clock. Uh, That I am. Um, This one wasn't particularly difficult for me. Okay. I have Keon Coleman here. Okay. So we had a little bit of rose-colored glasses on mid-season with Keon Coleman. We were infatuated with the highlights, and, you know, he he was hitting a hot stretch there too. Um, But the season is defined by inconsistency for Keon Coleman, and that's all right, I'd say. I mean, he – Still looks fantastic in every game that you watch. Uh, The athleticism is unbelievable. The the red zone threat that he provides is really good. I mean, he had 11 touchdowns this year. Uh, There's just, I mean, not a lot that I dislike about Coleman. 
Now, he's not as polished as Neighbors or Marvin Harrison Jr., but that's not really saying a whole lot because those are two extraordinarily polished players. So Coleman is slotting in here just because the top three in this class is unreal. And Coleman, I mean, I still love him. I loved him enough to have him as my number two player in my midseason ranking. Uh, but he just isn't as good as the other guys. And I, I'm, like, trying to frame this as, like, Keon Coleman's a great player, and you should be ecstatic that he's at number four for you. But, like, you are missing out on the top tier of this class if you're you're sitting at four. And that's that's that tier break that we both mentioned between the top two guys and then the next wide receivers. Yeah, the top three guys are no doubters. Right. They feel like they can't miss. Yeah. And, like, obviously, extenuating circumstances, things can happen, alter career trajectories, all those things. But at a prospect level, those top three guys feel foolproof. They feel like slam dunks, like they're going to be instant impact difference makers at the NFL level. Keon Coleman and this range that's coming up here a little bit is where there are some question marks that start to come in. These are still great players, but there is a little bit of that, but I need to see more of this. And with Keon Coleman, the big thing, you touched on it already, is consistency. And that's where the film study will become so important with a player like this because you can watch enough Ohio State and enough LSU to kind of see what you need to see out of Neighbors and Marvin Harrison Jr. to be like, yeah, okay, this I, 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 I'm done. Like, I get it. I know what you are. Write it in stone. Coleman is a player that, like you said, kind of just disappears at times. And it, it, it is that way when you watch Florida State as well. And that is something that is that can be concerning because is it a product of the system? They're just not, you know, drawing up the plays, looking his way, or is it, you know, are there other circumstances that lead to a, a lack of targets and a lack of production? That is something we will have to answer. And and the one thing with Coleman also that I do want to point out is that over the course of the early part of the season, it seemed like there was a weekly one-handed or, you know, weekly one, go up in the red zone, snag it, like this is one of the best catches of the entire season. Down the stretch, that sort of went away. And you stopped seeing those plays from him. And, in fact, his contested catch rate actually – declined a little bit as the season progressed he he did only finish with 10 contested catches on 30 targets for 33 percent if the player makes his money as a jump ball physical wide receiver like Keon Coleman you'd like to see that number be higher so all of this is to say that I think this is one of the more interesting guys when it comes to film, we're going to have to really dig into the film and see what it looked like for Keon Coleman this year. But to be quite honest with you, 
this was not the fourth player on my board right now. All right. I, I, I respect that. Um, another thing about Coleman is the – I mean, there's a lot of guys on this Florida State team that, you know, they they have the, their running game that we've talked about a lot this year with Trey Benson – and then, you know, the other guys who shall not be named. <laughs> and then uh, Jordan Travis, obviously, his knee explodes this season late in the year. Uh, so there there are some things that, like you said, I'm going to be interested to really dive in because, I mean, the flashes that you see are just, like, unbelievable. And I got to hope that that means – that this is the player that I think he is. And, I mean, have to tune into the wide receiver rankings to see what uh, the the final consensus is here. Yeah, though that's where we're going to get down and dirty, break it all down with these players. But um, I'm up next at number five, and this is where I will let you in on the player that has overtaken Keon Coleman in my rankings. Coleman currently sitting at number five, Rome Odunze is currently sitting at number four. I I talked up Rome all season. A uh, phrase that I like to use was evolved. It felt like he had fully evolved his game to a point where, in a similar fashion to Neighbors, you came into the season just you really like the player. You, you want to just see a little bit more in these key areas. And we saw that in a massive way with neighbors and Odunze was not far behind. And one of the areas that I kept coming back to when I thought about, you know, Coleman versus Odunze, like who is the guy if I'm sitting at four is just the fact that I think Rome has been a really, really solid route runner all year. And he has completely developed into that jump ball winner that we that we wanted him to become. That we said, there are flashes of this. Let's just get a little bit of consistency in this area. And you can start to project as a real, complete number one wide receiver prospect. And I think that's what we saw from Odunze this season. Uh, obviously, Michael Penix has a phenomenal year. He, he leaned on Odunze a lot down the stretch. The wide receiver room, we know it's talented. We know there are other guys here. Rome came into kind of a class of his own down the stretch. And this run here of games, the last four games where Washington is battling into this playoff position, Odunze was 7 for 10 on contested catches during that stretch where he just kind of took over 100 yards receiving in every single one of those games with six touchdowns during that final four-game stretch, 70% contested catches. I mean, he just became a dominant force as this season progressed, and I think that was enough for me at this point in time to say this is a slam dunk number one wide receiver prospect in the NFL. I remember I was ready to have Romo Dunze be my wide receiver too. I know you were, <laughs> and I, I have him at, in my five spot. So it sounds like yep. we had him flip flopped. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but Odunze just plays great football, like top to bottom. He 
has great hands. He's reliable. Like you you said, we we saw flashes. We saw some spots where it's like, man, Odunze can can go up and get it. And then you look at the numbers, and it's like, well, he doesn't have a ton of contested catches. What's up with that? And then you know he he walks into this year and converts an absurd amount of contested catches. That's what you see out of this player is he's open a lot. And when he's not open, he's still getting the ball. This is a guy that can be a target hog because a quarterback is going to love him. So I don't have anything bad to say about Odunze. I mean, this, this wide receiver class is unbelievable. I, I mean, if you are a wide receiver needy team going into this draft, this 2024 draft, and you have some picks, you're going to be coming out feeling great. And we're at pick five, and we have four receivers off the board. Like, yes, if you need a running back, maybe you're starting to worry a little bit. You're like, hold on, wait, we don't have top five picks. This is not right, but – it's a testament to this wide receiver class just as much. And it's four wide receivers that all have a pathway to being a wide receiver one. Yeah. Like these are not just like, oh yeah, you know, these are good wide receivers. Like last year at this point in the draft, you're in the midst of that Zay Flowers, Addison, Quentin Johnson tier. This year, pick five is like a number one wide receiver in the NFL Mm -hmm. and a no doubter, you know, like it's that sort of a situation. So yes, if you are a running back needy team, it's a little bit sad, but at the same time, talent prevails. And this class we're five in already. This class has a franchise changing players all the way down into the mid first that's what i think about these guys that's how high i am on them already and it's it's just exciting to know that you know this can only grow from here as we get more and more into the tape from this season we also have four wide receivers that play different types of football yep which i think is very interesting because I mean, you have Marvin, who, I mean, can play anywhere, but really is a true X. You have neighbors who can be a Y, can be a flanker. He can play X, but he's better in the other two roles. You have Coleman, who is a, you know, X jump ball highlight receiver. And then you have Odunze, who is a, you know, jack of all trades, master of none that can just get it done however you need him to on any given play. So I think it's interesting that you have all these archetypes of wide receivers within this cluster, this top five, uh, and then Brock Bowers, who is a receiver in his own right, but can also, you know, lay it down on the offensive line. So this is where I think the draft starts to get a little bit interesting here, where our boards could start to split apart a little bit here. Sixth overall, you are on the clock. Take my RB1. It's time. Taking Braylon Allen. Ooh. Yep. So Braylon Allen was an enigmatic player this year. Let's say that. Uh, but I still think that he's a a player that has 
the ability to control a running back room in the NFL. And I think his age is really the biggest signifier here. Uh, Everybody mentioned it. We all know he'll be 20 on draft day. It's crazy um, that he has three seasons of college football under his belt. He did declare for the NFL draft, so he is for sure in. Um, But it was an up-and-down season for Braylon Allen. Uh, But I think that there's a workhorse running back here that can catch passes, even if there's not a ton of efficiency there. This Badgers offense was not as improved as I would have hoped it to be. It was still a little bit ugly. It wasn't as bad as it was in past years. Uh, There was definitely some improvement in the passing game, and they didn't have to lean on him as much as they did previously. I mean, he had 50 less attempts on the ground this year than he did last year. So last year he had 230 carries. This year only 181 um, and had the same amount of yards per carry and then more touchdowns. So last year he had 11 touchdowns, this year he had 12. So they didn't run the tread off the tires, which I appreciate. Uh, but he did get banged up a little bit this year. He got a few injuries that he sustained. Um, the fumbling was an issue, and we, we've talked about that a few times. But the physicality of Braylon Allen, the size, the speed – the talent, the age, I mean, all of it lines up to be a really good dynasty running back that has a path to a ton of carries for a team. Yeah, he's enigmatic was a good word to use because I'm having a difficult time understanding what I think about Braylon Allen. And that is a product of a lot of what you just said. This season was not bad. This was not a bad year for Braylon Allen but it also didn't feel like a year in which he particularly excelled and really surged his way into this RB1 spot like I was hoping he would with the with the background and the athleticism the size all of those things that he has so right now Braylon Allen is 12th on my board because I'm just waiting to see I'm and I don't want to spoil anything, but that's kind of where the running backs live on my board right now. It, it it really is a product of I don't necessarily love any of these guys right now, and we're gonna find out over the course of the next few months when we get into the testing portion, and then obviously the draft situation, but. Even before that point, just figuring out kind of what are you in the NFL. And to your point, I do think that when you factor in all of these elements of, you know, he's younger than them all, he's bigger than them all, there is that player here that could be a little bit bit of an off-season warrior that starts to gain some traction simply based on the profile. But... When we dive into running back film, that will start to get a little bit more clear on my end as well. Yeah, I, I think that he will likely end up being like the consensus RB one just because of the, you know, the quote unquote profile of the player. Um, 
And I think, I mean, I, I would be happy to take him as my running back if, especially if he's falling like this and you're like in need of a running back. Uh, obviously, like you said, draft spot dependent for pretty much the rest of these guys, I'd say, uh, will affect their draft position specifically. Um, but yeah, I, I like Braylon Allen and I will see how that shakes out for the, throughout the rest of this off season. I'm, I'm interested to see like the combine stuff will be really interesting because it looked like he didn't have as much juice as he had last year. It did seem like he was hampered a little bit by those injuries. And then, you know, what the official height and weight is will be, will be pretty, you know, intriguing whether that matters or not i don't know but uh there's a lot of things that are still pending about the running back specifically but also braylon allen in particular well and here's where i think it does matter quite a bit and this was something that got brought up earlier in the year and we sort of disagreed with this and i still disagree with it as a as a player comp but in terms of process A.J. Dillon is going to be a name here that I think gets brought up because you have a player that has this rare combination of elite, like, I I can't even call it elite size because, like, it's almost, like, unprecedented size. Like, for a guy, if he if he truly comes in at 240, 6'2", 6'3", 245, but he's, like, ripped, you know? Yeah. He's, like, he's, like, a, a toned 245. That is not dissimilar to AJ Dillon in a way who came in, who tested unbelievable. People started throwing out the words, Derek Henry, when they talked about AJ Dillon and lo and behold, he did get round two NFL draft capital. That was kind of enough to get him into that spot, despite some, you know, questionable college film. So that's sort of where this all starts to matter. And he also Spoiler, did not turn into Derrick Henry also. Yes. Right. Let's just make sure we get to that point. Yeah, and that's the <laughs> scary thing when you bring up the name A.J. Dillon is, oh, boy, we saw what that turned into. But uh, the last thing I do want to say, just because I feel like I've said this a lot, and I do want to clarify this because I, I understand, like, obviously landing spot and draft capital matters for every single player in dynasty. Like it comes into the equation for 95% of the players. This running back class is a perfect example though, of when it matters a lot. And that's why it keeps getting brought up. Like last year it was like, I don't care where Bijan goes. I'll take him in at any spot. Like I don't care where Gibbs goes. I, I didn't really care where Charbonnet went. I mean, he went to pretty much the worst spot and I was still drafting him in the mid first, you know, like this year is different and that's why it, it comes up more and more this year. It's, it's a product of the running back class. These are just not at this point in time, in my eyes, difference making running backs. And that is why it's going to be a lot of where did you go and where did they take you? I just want Braylon Allen to be a Raven. <laughs> You've been on this when we we're going to get to landing spots, the perfect matches in February yeah. I already know. This I, one. Yeah. This one, I got it drawn up. You know, I got the heart tattoo on my shoulder <laughs> with the Ravens yeah. logo and Braylon Allen's name. Cause man, having him 
beating up the inside of the line while Lamar can work the outsides and then Keaton Mitchell will be in the change of pace. Oh! Boom. That'd be nice. That's a pretty picture you just painted yeah. right there. Yeah. I like that just, a lot. Just put him in the Gus Edwards role and see how the <laughs> offense flourishes. All right. Seventh overall. Oh, I know who this is. I spoiled it that it's not going to be a running back. And do you know who this is? You might. I think I do. I'm taking Troy Franklin. Okay. Not who I thought it was going to be. That's that's what I'm saying. Because I, I didn't this. think I was taking him here. Yeah. I put together my my board here to prepare for this. And I was a little bit shocked at where I ended up with Franklin. But I do think it's that this is where we this is where we came. You know, this is what happens. We we spend all season talking about the player. So impressed with his 2023 campaign. So impressed. And I don't know that it's not a name that has necessarily like transcended into the like national spotlight yet. I think like Odunze, he became that guy as Washington his, his pushed dad. for the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> and his Great dad's on Twitter, Twitter fighting people. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Troy Franklin is not what I would consider one of these like no doubt like number one wide receivers with like almost no flaws he he is a little bit more specialized in what he does i think than some of these other players ahead of him but that being said what he does he does so well that it's hard to ignore the talent at this point what was the big word with troy franklin this season separation he is a classic outside x vertical separator and, he, and all of his other routes, all of the other work that he does, it all comes off of that threat of I can beat you deep on any play. And for a player who is 6'4", 190, that is a tantalizing combination. And so I do think that he will get round one NFL draft capital. I do think this is that caliber of a wide receiver. And in that case... I am very comfortable taking him in the mid-first this year. Yeah, I mean, Troy Franklin is insanely good. If you like Malik Neighbors, you know, the the Netflix suggested will be Troy Franklin. You know, <laughs> if you liked watching Malik Neighbors, you'll also like watching Troy Franklin because it's a similar style of a player. Troy Franklin is in, I mean, incredible separator. There's a mixture of patience and suddenness in this player where he can get you off your spot. He'll get you off balance. You try to press him. He attacks like he is not a passive player when he's running routes. You are going to be reacting to Troy Franklin and that is where he racks up almost 1400 yards this season uh I remember you bringing him up early in in the process before I think it was in the preseason talking about you know could he uh yeah I think he'll he'll improve on what he did last year like he he could get to a thousand yards and then you know he eclipses that by week 11 and it's like all right here we are you know Troy Franklin is real 
he's another one of these great separators with size though the worry was maybe his weight is a little low doesn't matter don't care i'm not taking it into account anymore you're 6'3 190 that's big sorry that's 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 not even small anymore nope so the the ability has as a separator combined with the few contested catch opportunities that you see him have uh, only 19 on the season. He converted seven of them, which is pretty solid. I mean, it's not Rome, but it's really good because <laughs> Rome is just an outlier. So 37% is a great number to be at when it comes to turning in contested catches. Um, I mean, I feel great about, again, drafting this guy in the middle of the first round. This is the first guy where I'm not sure if he can be a wide receiver one in the NFL. And that's fine because, yep. like, he will be a productive wide receiver, too, in an offense that has upside to get you, like, 20 fantasy points in any given game because he can take the top off and he can be a target hog. So he can absolutely get peppered. He can run after the catch, and he can beat people deep. So the, this he just has a great skill set. And, uh, I mean, man, this wide receiver class is unreal. It's crazy. And one thing I do want to say, you brought up a number with Malik Neighbors. You you did a little bit of a a similarity, a stylistic comp at the start of this discussion. There was a point in time where you said every single game this season, Neighbors has at least a 30-yard game. Troy Franklin, it took him until the conference championship game against Washington to not have at least a 30-yard gain in a game this season. He is the definition of a big play threat at the X wide receiver position. Man, what a good group of players. I We're not done yet, man. I know. Let's keep them rolling. Let's do it. So Eighth overall. Eighth overall. Can't believe this player fell to me. Yep. Caleb Williams. There it Come is. Come home. Come home. Uh, contrary to popular belief, Caleb Williams is good at football. We made it. We made it, Austin. We said it was going to happen, and we've we've finally made it to the offseason discussions <laughs> that Caleb Williams is not good. And, I I mean, it's we're laughing, but I, it's true. Like, people wholeheartedly are going on talk shows and saying, like, Oh, this kid is going to be whatever. So I I mean there's some things that are wrong with Caleb Williams. Yes. But the things he does well is special. Is not teachable. The the pocket sense that he has is insane. The amount of arm angles he can throw from is ridiculous like i saw an argument cj stroud is a prospect versus caleb williams is a prospect and like hindsight is 2020 but caleb williams is a better prospect than stroud was and you know now you see what stroud is doing in the nfl and you see how the end of the season went for caleb williams and you're like that's blasphemy like stroud is 
any every bit as good. Like no, he's like Caleb Williams is special. The arm talent is incredible. The the ways that he can manipulate a defense with his scrambling and his running is insane. And the some of the just astonishing throws that he makes on the run is rare. So let's not overcomplicate things. Let's not, you know, get into comparing him to whoever and let's keep a level head. He's going to be the number one pick come draft day. I don't know if it's going to be by the bears or if they're going to trade out of that pick, but whoever is getting them is going to have a franchise altering player. Yeah, this was a this was a very tough call for me. Um, I have two players above Caleb Williams, who sits at number eight on my board right now. Is this the player you thought I was going to take at six? Yes, I I thought about it. Yeah, like the the dis- the discrepancy there, where it's like you know, is Troy Franklin a number one wide receiver in the NFL? Is X player who's coming up next for me, a number one wide receiver in the NFL, or do I just take this player who is a special player at number six overall? Uh, Well, we have him here at seven and that is still extremely high for a quarterback in one quarterback scoring. If you ask me and we do one quarterback plus here, this is where he should go. And this is pick eight. Is it? Yeah, Marvin. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Braylon Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Okay. so pick eight. So this is... (laughs) It was a fine pick. Okay, relax. I didn't say it wasn't. I just (laughs) I forgot. Caleb Williams, man, it it reminds me so much of Mahomes. Like, we started the discussion in the summer already doing the whole Mahomes-Caleb Williams thing come full circle to now not only are we talking like comparable stylistically comparable arm talent wise now we're talking about similar in how they were viewed as nfl prospects i still think caleb's going number one i don't think that's going to change but this nitpicking of his flaws is the same thing that happened with Patrick Mahomes. And it's what lets a player like that fall to the 10th pick. This is why I don't think it's going to happen again. Because you let Mahomes fall, you're not going to let Williams fall. That's where we're at. Because I'm not going to say he's bust-proof. I'm not going to say he's a perfect prospect. I'm not going to say there aren't things he absolutely needs to work on. But let's not overthink it. The arm talent is special. It is absolutely special. We've seen it so many times over the last two years, and including this year in which was a a down year and what's going on and all of this. Think back to the early parts of the season, and I get it. Who were they playing back then? You know, it wasn't who they were playing when they were getting shellacked every week or, or in these, like, 50-40 shootouts every week. <laughs> the throws are the throws. And he made those throws all season long. The arm talent that this player has is truly special. And I really don't think we should think too hard about this. And 
That's what I'm going to say. We're going to get to talk more about Caleb, his strengths, his weaknesses, and all of that next week when we talk about quarterbacks in detail. But for right now, we're still here with him. Yeah. I A few things I just want to touch on is USC was a more balanced offense this year. They tried to be. They – you know, committed a lot to Marshawn Lloyd and, you know, getting the ground game going. He had a hundred less pass attempts this season. He had a higher completion percentage. Uh, he had 12 less touchdowns with a hundred less attempts. He had five more inter- or the same on interceptions, five total. Um, his time to throw was down by a 10th of a second, which is not much, but you know, speeds up your process a little bit. Uh, so those are just a couple numbers where it's like, you know, he he took a sack on 23% of pressures. Like, he he held the ball a little too long quite a few times. He fumbled a lot. That, that was the big thing was he, I mean, man, he, it was a, a weekly occurrence at one point where it was like, oh, man, that was a bad, a bad sack that he took, a bad fumble. He had – 16 total fumbles so that that is up from six last year so that that wasn't like an issue that we were looking at coming into the year it was an issue this year uh but i still think that like if a team lets him fall that's gonna be just one of those mistakes that gets etched in nfl history so here we are here we are. Number nine. I just referenced this. I had two wide receiver one question mark players ahead of Caleb Williams. One was Troy Franklin. The other is the player I'm taking right now, which is Emeka Egbuka. I still love this player's talent. And to be quite honest with you, I think this range in the draft is perfect for him. Mm-hmm. It's perfect for him. I mean, it was, it's going to be a common thing. I think to hear a little bit of like, this is JSN, you know, like I've already heard that a little bit like, Oh, this is like the JSN player where it's like, he was the number one wide receiver last year, but he'd be like the wide receiver seven in this class or something. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think we were higher on JSN than a lot of people, but the point remains the same that this was the player that took over his role. And it was a player that we felt very good about taking over this slot role in the Ohio state offense. It just so happens that Ibuka dealt with some injuries this year and we never really got to see the full product. We know we talked about it with Marvin, the quarterback woes, the offensive woes in the passing game that they had couple that with an injury and suddenly it's like you know people start forgetting about the level of talent that Mecca Igbuka has but this was both of our wide receiver twos in this class heading into the year and I think this conversation of like high floor low ceiling is going to get brought up with Igbuka and I'm I'm just done with that like I'm not labeling slot players as low ceiling anymore because it's not a thing and I still think this player has the ability and the talent to be 
a very, very good wide receiver at the NFL level. I think Igbuka could be the best value wide receiver come draft day because, number one, it seems like he's the odd man out so far when it comes to uh, the mocks that are happening and how this wide receiver class is being talked about. And that's has a lot to do with the injury and the quarterback play. We talked about McCord with Marvin Harrison. It's like, yeah, he, he was bad. And Egbuka is a result of that. He had 451 yards, and he very well could be a second-round pick in the NFL draft this year. And then he's going to fall in your dynasty draft because he went in the second round of the NFL draft. And he also has not declared yet. So, you know, this is also pending a decision. But uh, And after a 451-yard season, that's why I bring it up. You never know. But all of the best wide receivers in the NFL play in the slot. It's just a thing now. You look at Cup, you look at Diggs, you look at Jefferson. I, I mean, you can go down the list. Chase Amon plays Ra. in the slot. Amon Ra plays almost exclusively in the slot. Like, there are – you look at a team and you look at how they deploy their best players. The best way to get your best player away from coverage is to get them off the line of scrimmage, get them in motion, and the best way to do that is to put them in the slot. So we can put the the slot thing is bad to the, to rest. Being a slot player is not a downside. Yep. And we we had a lengthy discussions about that last year with JSN cuz he is a slot guy and then he went somewhere where he can thrive in the slot and the production isn't there but you can see how good he is. And Egbuka can do the exact same thing and I think he's going to be a steal come dynasty draft day come nfl draft day and he's gonna make a team very happy because he is another very polished receiver i mean a 1200 yard receiver last year that is hampered by many things this year uh and hopefully he comes out but i'd understand if he didn't yeah i think he absolutely should i mean it's with the uh, again it's like mccord's transferring there's more uncertainty i get there's these rumors with nil and we're going to talk about that with another player at some point we can we can talk about it now if you want well okay you're right, might be, you're might right. Be we'll talk about them next bit. <laughs> uh but no i i i think take take this opportunity go to the nfl you, the player has the talent we know he has the talent based on 2022 film Get into the league, make your money there because it, it it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget just how good he is after a year like this, but I'm not going to do it. And this slot stuff is a completely tired narrative. It's a cop-out. It's a talking point to fill space when it's like, what do I, what else do I say? Oh, he's a slot player, low ceiling. You know, like it's not a thing anymore. If any yep. player broke the mold, I mean uh, – I'll even take Cooper Cup out of the equation. If any player broke the mold, it's Amon Ross St. Brown, who comes in as a as a day two wide receiver prospect with eleven guys in front of him, comes into an offense. Do you think he can name all eleven guys? 
I've heard that he can. <laughs> and becomes their wide receiver one and becomes a top six dynasty wide receiver. I mean, there's no reason at a talent level that Egbuka could not do the same thing. That's how much talent I believe that this player has in the right situation. He could absolutely become that level of a talent in the NFL. So the Josh Downs are, slot only player. Who? Josh Downs. Oh, Downs. Yeah. Yep. Again. Keenan Allen. Yep. How many? CD like, Lamb. Keep them coming. I mean, seriously. It's like uh, half the league at this point. Keenan Allen plays 59% of his snaps out of the slot. CD Lamb plays 58% of his snaps out of the slot. Amon Ra plays 56%. Like, you talk about some of the best receivers in the league, and they're playing. Tyreek Hill plays 39% of his snaps out of the slot. Like, that's how they get them open. Yep. They get off of the coverage. They get off of the press. Get these guys in motion and get them cooking. Yep. Number ten. That's Number, where we are. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're at Travion Henderson. There it is. There it is. Uh, Travion was a well. Let's let's get it out of the way at the top because yep. we don't know. There's rumors out that. Travion might go back to Ohio State. And I don't know what to think about the rumors because none of them are, like, verified, really. You know, it's just, you know, the the random Ohio State accounts, you, the the Silver Dome or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. The, the, the Buckeye Inquirer, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, those are the rumors. So, they're unsubstantiated, but... Rumors, nonetheless, that he might go back to school for the NIL money. I don't know. I don't believe it. Not in, so. This these are my my big picture thoughts about it. Yep. Is the twenty twenty four class is weak. Like for an NFL team that is looking for a running back, this is one of the first names that's going to come off the list if he's in this class. And it's probably going to be second round draft capital. If you look at the 2025 class, it is not weak. Travion might not be a top three running back in this that class. So that's where I'm at. Is I don't know why he would stay. You know, he's got some injury history. He ended the year really strong. Just take this and roll it into the NFL. Get that guaranteed money from that rookie contract and move on. That's how I feel. I am very, like, divided on this because on one hand, it's like I understand the state of the running back in the NFL is that they're not getting paid and that the short shelf life is scary for a player like this who is now facing the opportunity to make potentially millions of dollars in college so okay stay the one extra year make some extra money get into the nfl hope that you still get drafted in a in a range in which you can make a solid chunk of cash on your rookie deal and hope you get paid i mean you end up in the same bucket so it's like it's a year of extra money 
but the risk is you might go lower in the draft and make less with your rookie. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. And the reason, and, and Marvin gets brought into this too. That's not a thing. Like they, they cannot pay him enough to get him to stay in school. If he's looking at a third overall or whatever rookie contract in the NFL, like that's not a thing. This at least makes some sense. And I think it's it it factors into these things like what we saw last year with you know Corum goes back to school. Well, why did he do that? Well, he's making a little bit of money, and he's a player that you know we've already talked about his shortcomings potentially as a long term NFL running back piece. All of that is to say, Travion is my is my running back one. If he if he declares, as of this point in time. He is my running back one, and he's my 10th player on the board right now. He has the talent that we saw in 2021. It didn't go anywhere. 2022, based on what I saw this year, was an anomaly based on most likely health. And that run that he had over the middle and towards the end of this year where he looked like that player this is one of the only running backs right now that I can see as a NFL starter that makes a difference for whatever team picks him. He's not going to be a first round running back. I think he'd be a second round running back if he comes out. So that to me is a running back one potential player in a class like this. And I really hope that he comes out because this class desperately needs that player. Yeah, uh, the the tweet that I found from Christian Williams at C Williams NFL uh, said Marvin Harrison Jr. and Travion Henderson have allegedly be, been offered NIL deals that rival first round pick money to keep them at Ohio State for the twenty twenty four season. Now, I don't like that's a lot of money. So, no. First of all, that's not how that works. <laughs> you just don't have an unlimited budget to give players. And especially Marvin Harrison, who would be likely a top five pick. And, like, you look at Will Anderson, he made, like, $29 million. Like, Ohio State can't give him that. Right. So, Marvin Harrison is going into the draft. Let's get that out of the way. Travion, on the other hand, if they're offering him, like – you know, ten million dollars, maybe. Like, I mean, kind, that kind of be stupid. If it's ten million, then you got to take it. That's what I'm saying. Because, because <laughs> that that's what would be rivaling first round pick. So if that's substantiated at all, then you you probably go back. But if it's anything at or below what you're gonna get as a probably top half of the second round pick, then you got to go. And so I, I also hope he goes because, I mean, this it's slim pickings for running backs in this class. It sure is. And I'm up here at number 11, and I'm not taking a running back. And I'm not taking a wide receiver either because I'm taking Drake May. I've pounded this. Time and time again, the talent discrepancy between Caleb Williams and Drake May is not extreme. 
Right now, I have them next to each other on my draft board. Caleb comes in at eight. Drake May comes in at nine. That's where I'm at with these players. I think they are both high-end, superstar-level quarterback prospects that can be difference makers in fantasy early in their careers. And the narratives that you brought up with Caleb Williams, and this is obviously something that we will get to unpack next week, the narratives with Williams are... Different, but not entirely dissimilar to what is starting to happen with Drake May. Specifically about the stats that he put up this year. I think there is a contingency of people. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and and maybe these aren't people I should be listening to. Maybe this is like Twitter hive people. He's worse this year. But that's what you hear, is that he regressed... He's got turnover issues now. This is Mitch Trubisky 2.0, North Carolina quarterback, blah, blah, blah. It's, I mean, all all you have to do, man, just all you have to do is just watch a couple of these games. Like, it's not hard. Stop looking at the stats. Watch what Drake May does. This was not a star-studded team that he was working with. He lost his wide receiver one, a player that has proven to be a high-end NFL player in Josh Downs. Tez Walker comes in later in the year, and that was a boost to this offense. It was a big boost to this offense and, and one that needed it because there's nobody else there. I mean, what Drake May was doing to carry this team as a ranked team earlier in the year, and then you come to find out later in the year, like, yeah, this was not that team. A lot of that has to do with the quarterback and what he was doing, working with a a, a team and, and making it more than the sum of its parts. He's an elite quarterback prospect, and he should go number two. There's going to be all sorts of conversations. Will he even go number one? I don't think it's going to come to that, but I do think it's it's not hard. If there's a quarterback needy team at one and a quarterback needy team at two, Drake May goes number two, and you should feel great about it. It's not Mitch Trubisky, okay? It's no. not even it's not even close to that. This is a very different player with way better arm talent and way better everything. So he declared yesterday and I I don't know why there's uh why there's this discourse going on man like why do we have to do this every year We have two very fun quarterback prospects and the take cycle just has been is so oversaturated where you got to find like why is this player bad like you we have to get to that point with every player and yes he had a worse season this year than he did last year that is true i i think the the tape will show that also um but i think there's also a variety of reasons for that He's physically gifted. He's a good runner, which is, you know, the thing we look for in fantasy. 
both him and Caleb Williams have that. Uh, he's a great like improviser in and out of the pocket. He also, when it comes to platforms, Caleb Williams is obviously the gold standard throwing off of different platforms, but Drake may can set up and fire some ridiculous throws. Like he had a throw where he kind of backed up half rolled out, right. And saw somebody win deep and just planted his feet and gunned it. He didn't even step into it. 55 yards on the money. And that's the type of type of throws that are just incredible. And that's why he'll be in the conversation for the number one pick. And talked about his rushing like against NC state in week 13, he had 105 yards rushing. He had 582 yards rushing on the season, nine touchdowns like this. He's a, a very good running quarterback. He uses it as a last resort, but when he, when he goes, he goes. And he also, I mean, the, like I said, the on the run and off platform stuff is really, really nice with him. So I like Drake may a lot. This is exactly where I had him. I think one of the best ways to speak to this season at a statistical level is to say that while he did regress in yards and touchdowns and he threw more picks and he certainly didn't lead college football in passing, but what he did do was lead college football in big time throws. And if we remember back to last year, he also led college football in big time throws. He has played college football for two years. He has led college football in these NFL caliber throws. What's a big time throw? Could you explain that to right. the crowd? Yeah, this is another PFF number, but it's one that I actually like quite a it, bit. It is. It is a good one. It is a. This is the definition of what a big time throw is from PFF. A pass with excellent ball location and timing, generally thrown further down the field and or into a tighter window. They try to identify NFL-level throws when they grade, chart, whatever they do with these guys. They try to identify those throws and put it into a number. Drake May has more of those throws in the last two years than anybody else in college football as a redshirt freshman and a redshirt sophomore. He is a bona fide quarterback one prospect that just so happens to be in a class with another bona fide quarterback one prospect. That's where we're at. Yeah, it's, I mean, the top of this draft is they're going to be talking about it. I talking the air out of this, which is, is fun because it, it is. Yeah. You know, you, you need a good top two quarterback controversy conversation whatever to fuel the offseason fires so uh i'm excited to see where this goes we have one pick left in our 2024 dynasty rookie mock 2.0 colin so bring it home for us do i end with my head or my heart is the question how do you draft? 
I mean, drafting with my heart has gotten me in trouble. <laughs> well, let's get into some I think trouble. you know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, but I am taking – wow, am I going to do this? Devin Neal at number 12. We're full circle. I was circle. wondering if you were going to do it. I, Yeah, I'm going to do it. I mean – Devin Neal had a fantastic season. He's a Kansas running back. Um, He had 1,200 yards rushing, 15 touchdowns. I put the ball on the ground one time all season. uh, And he's just an impressive player. He's 5'11", 210. He's really fast, very twitchy. The elusiveness that he has in the open field is really nice. He seems like he has good vision. We'll break more of that down come film time when we can actually watch every player from the all 22 angles. Um, but I just, with the, the 183 carries 6.6 yards per attempt. It's just impressive. Like against the, the good teams, he had 5.6 yards per carry against Texas. Uh, not at only eight carries in that game. Oklahoma, he had 112 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Cincinnati, he had 106 yards and two touchdowns. Like, it's not like he was beating up on all the bad teams. He he did it against everybody, and uh, he's a, he's a good pass catcher, which is really what brings him into this conversation. Is you know if you're playing half PPR PPR, that's where I think Devin Neal starts to come into the conversation. He he's a really good player in open space he has good hands um routes don't know don't know how many routes he runs what kind of routes he runs but i know he can get the ball out of the backfield and work so uh how much of a reach do you think this is uh i, I mean i'm not gonna say it's a reach because what i'm just thinking about you in never my brain. you never fall into my my traps like my, my clickbait traps you're too well, level-headed yeah, that's what we're all about here at Camp <laughs> Dynasty. We try to fight the fight the uh, fight the man here that wants to make sports media into screaming and hot <laughs> takes. But um, the what I was coming back to while you were talking there is that last year at this time, a player that I have soft comped Devin Neal to was not in this discussion at all, and it was Kendra Miller. Big 12 running back, kind of came out of nowhere, kind of like him, don't really know about him yet. Got through the process, got through the draft. Kendra Miller ends the year as my 13th player in the class. Devin Neal, we're in a similar spot. Would have, would have not talked about Kendra in this spot one year ago today. There's no such thing as a reach right now because it's a very fluid process. And I think Devin Neal has been a player that has shown us a lot this year and has shown that he is an NFL running back. I think the lack of coverage, noise, like this just a name that you don't ever hear from anybody really. And tell you what, yeah. He's getting all his coverage on Camp Dynasty. We're championing 
championing him because that's it. I mean, and, and it's a good player. Like it is a player that when you watch these games, when you watch these plays and you sit down and you think, what is this player? He looks like that sort of a dude with the size, the speed, the athleticism, the change of direction, the contact balance. I mean, even he's even got a little bit of that with all of that. So it's a player that I think is going to grow. If he declares, I think he will be in for a sort of, you know, oh, yeah, Devin Neal. And in March, it'll seem like this was a player that was here all along. But we just so happen to be in front of the pack here. Now, am I hurt that you're taking Neal over Trey Benson? A little bit, but it's okay. That that was my heart over my head decision. Yeah, it was, I get it. You know, maybe the smart thing to do is take – Benson, but I just wanted to, you know, get the media coverage on Devin. I love Neal. it. Now in you know? six months we can clip it, and then we'll have like, the graphic. Hey. <laughs> yeah, and they'll be like, we had him as a first rounder. Yeah, yeah. yep. I'm well, still, I'm still waiting for our social guy to get back to us on uh, getting our puka clips I, <laughs> published. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get on the phone with this guy. Uh, we need victory laps asap. Figure yeah. this out. Come on. Um. Well, that there it is, man. That we we did it. That's twelve picks, twenty twenty four. We're you know seven eight months out from the draft, but it's never too early to start talking about it. And especially now, like I said at the top, with fantasy seasons reaching their conclusion, starts to get more and more real. I know where my picks are. I know kind of what's going on. Now let's get into it here. Um, obviously. It's a deep class. It's a talented class. We only did 12 picks, and I just want to provide an opportunity here to shout out a few favorites that just missed the cut. Obviously, you know mine. It's Trey Benson, 11th player on my board right now. That is a, a drop for him. I still had him at number five in the midseason check-in. I've dropped him. I'm coming to terms with the fact that he is not necessarily a complete running back in an, in an eval sense, but I still have a lot of faith in his talent. And I think he was underutilized in this Florida state offense. So that is certainly my favorite player that was left out of our mock draft today. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, my heart was saying Devin Neal, but my head was saying Trey Benson. He, is a really good player and we've been talking about him all season and i mean if you take him in the first you should feel good about that like he's gonna be right there for you and uh another guy that i I, i'll just list off a couple like my my remaining honorable mentions is bucky irving blake corum brian thomas and A.D. Mitchell. Yep. Those are those are my couple guys that, that were like, you know, hard quote, first out, unquote, if five guys can be their first out. Yeah. Brian Thomas Jr. is my 13th player right now. He's my first man out of the first round. I just – he's he's my brand of receiver. He is. And I, I hope he doesn't – I hope when I watch – I'm very – hesitant about this now because i just i've been burned one too many times with these guys and i just 
I'm starting to swing the other way, I think. I'm starting to find that I like separators a little bit more than I used to, but uh, Brian Thomas Jr. has no problem separating vertically. We've seen that time and time again, and I think he's just a really fun player with a really high ceiling at the NFL level. Um, and then, yeah, Blake Corum is in that mix as well, top of the second. And I'll shout out a couple IDPs here that kind of get into the conversation at this spot. Uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. is a player that I still really like. And I don't know what's going to happen with him in the NFL draft or any of that stuff. I mean, we're a long ways away from that, obviously. But I just I like the talent a lot. I think he's worthy of this sort of high second, you know, kind of like the prototypical linebacker spot in a in a dynasty rookie draft. I think he's there. And then the other guy that I'm going to shout out is Peyton Wilson, who just impressed yeah. me so much this year. I think he was really a riser. I think it was a guy that, you know, there's a little bit of that medical hesitancy with him with the red flags that he does have, but I think he's put enough on tape for the last two years and specifically this year to put himself in this sort of LB one LB two conversation in this draft class. Some guys that got badges throughout the season, uh, Braylon Trice out of Washington, Jerzon Newton, uh, Illinois, Illinois, Illinois. Yep. Yeah. I was going to yep. say, I was, I was picturing them and I was like, <laughs> is that, is that right? Uh, Jeremiah Trotter, of course, who you just mentioned. Um, and then there's, you know, like Dallas Turner, Chop Robinson, who are also some names to keep yep. an eye on throughout this, this process. So uh, we'll have a full IDP breakdown, you know, coming up, coming up yep. five weeks. We'll get to talk about that, but Barrett Carter went back to school. We called it. Yeah, we did. Heard it here first folks. So he's going back. It was a lot of surprise and shock. People still had him ranked pretty highly from what I was seeing from guys that were saying, Oh, my linebacker too is going back to school. I mean, yeah, I think there's a reason for that. Cause he wasn't that great, <laughs> but um, anyway, okay, no more victory laps for us. This was a very, fun exp exercise to do here i mean this is really the first step the culmination of what we've been doing for the last several months here getting to this point and then like i said it starts with a mock draft but it really starts to turn up in the next coming weeks here oh, because yeah. we get into positional rankings there is no more ah, i gotta watch the tape or yeah, i'm not quite sure if he does this well yet we're going to find all of that out over the next five weeks. And that starts with quarterbacks next week. And we go through them all leading up to our big board update, which I think takes us right about to the senior bowl, Colin. So that's how quickly this stuff goes. Now it is draft season, baby. And I'm ready for it. I, I can't believe how quickly everything went this year. Yeah. It felt like last year, we started this last year and it, it felt like every week was so like substantial. Like it was everything every time was big. And then this year it just felt like it flew by yep. and it's draft season again. And I, I mean, I'm so excited to get into these rankings episode. They're by far my favorite that we get to do. I mean that the mock draft stuff is also really exciting, but you know, the, the week to week stuff, is great but it also gets a little repetitive and then you get to break out of that and get into the real draft season when you know people's 
teams are changing for the future of their franchise and that that's fun stuff that's the the fun part of dynasty and there's going to be some really fun discussions this year i think last year was it it was fun but there were sort of these templates with certain position groups i think it, it kind of early in the process you kind of got to know some of the players and this year, I think it is a bit of pick your flavor with some of these groups, namely running back. That's going to be a very interesting episode. And we got a little bit of a teaser here, but film could change that real quick when we get into it. And next week, Colin, the quarterback conversation, that's going to be a fun one too because we know Caleb Williams, Drake May. Where does Jaden Daniels fit into this? Where does Michael Penix fit in these days? Is Bo Nix here? You know, where where are we at this point? So, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun, and I'm I'm very excited Heisman, to get into it. Jayden Heisman Daniels. winner, Jaden Daniels. Look at, look at how far we've 600 come. Six hundred yards in a game, all purpose. And people were pissed about that, and I'm just like so sickened that people didn't think that this was a special year because the team went nine and three. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, that's a whole nother. People said, oh, he didn't have a Heisman moment. I feel like his Heisman moment was that Florida game. Am I crazy? You're not. That was one of the most insane quarterback performances I've ever seen. Literally putting the team on his back. Like, yes, that that was his Heisman moment. was an entire game. (laughs) Man. But. All right. Well. He didn't have a fourth and 20. Yeah. yeah, Threw it in the back of the end zone. (laughs) Yep if you enjoyed our 2024 rookie mock 2.0 be sure to find us on x formerly known as twitter at camp underscore dynasty and tiktok at camp dot dynasty and also check out our youtube channel where video feeds of the pods do go up every single week and of course be sure to like rate review subscribe share follow and anything else that i missed to the pod feed which is still home here at camp dynasty that's right counselor's cabin that's right all right season is here it's it's here man and it's only up from here the excitement's here you can feel it it's palpable right now and i'm i'm ready to do the damn thing so we're gonna continue with this journey next week and for now Thanks for stopping by, Camp Dynasty, and we'll see you next week.